Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today, we would like to talk about validating your idea. Yes. Yeah, we are, we're not even implying that you should, but we want to explore the idea of whether or not you should validate, and if you should, how you should, and uh, maybe even how will you know when you've done it? <laughs> <laughs> well, not so easy. I'm curious, Jonathan, do, what do you think? Should you validate your idea? Okay, so my answer depends, and it depends on what kind of idea. So if we're talking about your big idea behind your entire business, your thrust, your, your the the change that you're trying to make in the world, I think it's probably, I think if you have to validate it, then you might want to keep looking, but that's <laughs> probably just my personality talking because I, I have, have a evangelical bent to my personality where it's fairly easy for me to get obsessed with something and go on a mission. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural, it's just something about my personality. And I, I know from working with lots and lots of people that they, that I am in the vast minority in that regard. Most people can't get past the, but how will I make money with that piece? Or uh, they're afraid that, that it's a stance they don't want to make publicly, or there's some fear going on that, that it's not even that they're like, this is a great idea that I should do, but I'm scared to do it. It's almost like their brain prevents them from recognizing it as a good idea because mm-hmm. of, you know, one of these, one of these, what they see as pitfalls. And I don't, I don't have that. So I would say for your, your very biggest idea, at least with, with me and and thinking, even with people I've worked with who are, who don't have a problem with it, they never validated it. Mm -hmm. It was like so obvious to them that it was pre-validated almost. On the other hand, if we're talking about, Hey, I'm thinking about creating a new product. I've got an idea for a new product. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of validating it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, so it really depends on, you know, are we, are we talking about the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning? Are we talking about that? Mm, I don't know. I don't know how you would, if you need validation, it's probably not a good one. I I guess that would be my knee jerk reaction. It's it's interesting. I don't know if I thought about it that way, but the, I I agree with you with the big idea. And I, I, I think that maybe my experience is colored by my client work right? Because when I'm working with a client to articulate their big idea, they usually already have a business. And so when when we articulate the big idea, it's like, oh, aha, yes, that's really what I've been working on, but I didn't know how to say it. And that typically, some people will try to validate it a little bit. Um, If they try to validate it a lot, personally, I find that sort of annoying because you know you've gotten to this point where you know how many people are you going to get to comment on a creative idea before it becomes something that is less creative because it's really how yeah it's like how you're talking about it yeah designed by committee but yeah on the other side on the business side boy validation is it feels like cheap insurance right yeah yeah like hey do you want to save 6 months of your life or maybe 6 years of your life ask a few people but so let's jump back quickly to something you just said, though. So when you work with your clients, you sort of help them articulate, you come up with the words, or, or maybe, you know, maybe it's more than words, but you're helping them articulate something that's already there. So I, I don't, I wouldn't use the word validate for that. I would, I would say what you're doing is just sort of uncovering it or you're polishing it. Yeah. And perhaps the process of, a, I could imagine a validation process happening once the words were uh, sort of drafted, I guess, and say, does this communicate 
what I'm trying to get across to people. But I would be really, really careful about that because, you know, someone asked me this the other day, they were like, does this sales page seem persuasive? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask, ask the people you're trying to sell to. It's, I can recognize that it has the proper structure, but I'm not your target. I see that you're using emotional words. I see that you are, you know, using this sort of pain dream fix format. That's a, a place where easy template for people to follow when they're getting started with this kind of thing. Like I can see that you're adhering to the, the structure, the guidelines, you know, you're, you're, it's, you're using a one, four, five progression in your blues tune. So I know that it's a blues tune, uh, but is it going to make anybody dance or cry or sing? I don't know. Like, I can't help you there. You need to, you need to, uh, and, and the question t- to me was, he was asking me, should I, should I put this in the, in the general coaching room to see what people think? And I was like, no, because nobody in there is in your target market. So they're going to give you mm-hmm. opinions because you're asking for opinions and they're going to be wrong potentially because those aren't the people you're trying to persuade. So to bring it back to what you were saying, it makes me nervous. It would make me nervous for someone who, you know, you work together, you're a professional at this, you uncover it, polish up and sort of make up punchy, you know, we've talked about this before, not like a soundbite, but you just have a really clear, concise articulation of the big idea. And to then go around and ask a bunch of people, you need to be really careful about that because they might not be your audience. And if you ask for somebody for their opinion, they're going to give you one. Exactly. I'm, I'm thinking of one example where I was working with a, uh, a financial advisor. And in the process, we came up with a new name for his company that was tied to the big idea. And it was funny because his wife loved it. And again, it doesn't matter if his wife loved it, but she did. And he was like, he was on the fence about it. And so what he did is he wound up unintentionally forming a committee of no. And he didn't ask clients. He asked other financial advisors. He asked, uh, who else did he ask? Um, Some friends of his that were kind of fellow speakers, um, but he didn't ask any of his clients. And the idea went away. Mm. Now, was that a mistake? You know, who knows? I mean, I, I could argue the other side and say, if he wasn't feeling it, then he shouldn't go there. But it's that chorus you know, that committee chorus that can create some really ugly stuff. And so what we wound up with for the name of the company was not particularly inspired. And it took uh, a fair number of rounds to get there. And I would argue, you know, it, it was the camel, you know, the horse created by committee. <laughs> it is not I've never, never heard that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, my my approach to this has been, um, you know, right up front is, you know, this is not a focus group topic. This is, you know, if if we're going to test, we're going to test it with people who are the right people and we want to hear their feedback and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then be done with it. It's right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is ironic how, you know, it's people are like, oh, I want to stand out from the crowd. And then I'm like, all right, call it this. And then they go ask the crowd what they think. And the exactly. crowd says, no, that's, that's crazy. Or, Why would you do that? And they're like, come back to me. And like, no, they, they all said it's crazy. And I'm like, those are the people you're trying to be different from. So that means that it's the perfect name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it, it's hard. And, you know, I, I can totally put myself in their shoes. It's, you know, it's hard to kind of break out. But when you find the right one and somebody is a little scared, but it feels right, that's when, you know, that's when they'll make the big move. Right. It kind of reminds me of getting a tattoo. It's like, you don't want to ask a hundred people what tattoo you should get. Like that, It's like, you're not ready for a tattoo, <laughs> you know? 
That's my opinion. I don't have a tattoo. I was going to say, I, I think I'm learning something new here about you, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my, my, I was, I've, I've come close a couple of times and my next youngest brother once said, he's like, if you he was like frustrated, I think with me asking, I'm like, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. What, did, what should I, you know, he's like, he's like, if you're going to get a tattoo, just go get like a giant dragon or something. And I was like, I was like, oh, he's right. He's right. I should just go for it. And I'm not that, I'm not that personality type. So tattoo is not for me, <laughs> but anyway, rabbit hole there. But so I, I feel like, but I do kind of feel that way about the big idea. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you need some help uncovering it, but validating it scares me. Validating the idea itself scares me. Mm -hmm. But so if we want to talk about saving yourself years of heartache, when you, you know, let's say you've got your big idea and your big idea is, I don't know, I want people to appreciate uh, everyday beauty and things because we're moving too quickly. We're missing out on all, all these small moments and, and, you know, things around us that should be bringing joy into our lives and we're, our eyes are completely closed to them. So I want to open people's eyes to, you know, the beauty of everyday things. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's your mission. Cool. I can get my head around that. There's got to be value in that for some small subset or some segment of the population. So then it comes time to like, okay, how am I going to do that? You know, so I've got, you sort of got this objective, you create a strategy, strategy as, as a framework to make decisions about your tactics and you decide, okay, you know, I need, in order for this mission to continue, I need to fund it somehow. So I'm going to have to charge for some things. And I've got an idea for a, a product or a service that I'm going to charge for. Now, if you, you know, if, if this was someone I was working with, I would immediately be like, okay, there are about a billion ways that you could do this. And at the end of the day, you need to sell it to someone. I know you don't want to be a business person. I know you don't think this is a business, but you have to sell it. So, you know, sales, if you're going to start this business, this is a business that you're starting, which means you, I don't care how much you hate sales, you have no way around it, or this is not right. a business. It's a hobby. And that's fine too. If you want to have a hobby, that's cool. You this can be your side hustle, your side mission, and just have a day job and get a paycheck to fund it. But if you want it to be your thing, then you have a business and you have to do sales. So you might as well see if you can find people to at least review your idea and give you feedback. Because if you can't even find people who give you a thumbs up, you're not going to be able to find people to give you write checks to you, you know, to give you money. So I, I think it's the process of validating it for someone at this stage, someone who's just starting out, the process of validating it is an early litmus test to how they're going to react to the process of doing sales in the first place and, and their ability to do so. And I'm a big fan of knowing what your message is. So I, I know what my message is, but I need to learn how to communicate it to the people that I, I'm hoping to help. And that part of learning how to communicate it for me is very, very close to validating the idea. They're very similar and skipping that step and, you know, Silicon Valley failing fast you know, it's better than failing fast, not failing. <laughs> so I, I'm a big fan of, you know, I have it. Here's my tattoo. Just ask. <laughs> you've got this idea. You, you've got this idea for a thing you want to sell. Just ask some people like, mm -hmm. would you know, and it's not as simple as saying, Hey, would you buy this? How much would you pay? I mean, there's more to it than that, but uh, I'm a gigantic fan of that because if you don't, the temptation is to go into your workshop and not come out for 20 years and you've done nothing. Mm -hmm. You've done nothing to further the mission. 
Well, you know, Jonathan, I, I did something when I started this business that I think you would call validation. And I, when I first started, I was really focused on kind of big picture strategy. And then I met these two guys that were, couldn't be more different, but their messaging was almost exactly the same. And so I was fascinated with this idea of personal branding. So I, I literally spent a summer, I read every book I could get my hands on it. I talked to people and then I developed this process to discover personal brand. And so, but here I am, you know, I've been a consultant for years and I have this new process, but nobody's been through it. I'm like, oh, I got to get some betas, right? So um, I found five people who would do it. And I said, listen, I'll help you develop your personal brand strategy. I'll create an action plan. I'll do all of that for free if you agree to serve as a reference, if you're happy, and then give me constructive feedback about anything that, you know, that you don't like. So had the five, it took, you know, a, a few months, probably three months. And so once I had it all tested, it, it all worked, I was confident, right? And so I started telling people about it. And then my first client was somebody I met at a conference and we were sitting next to each other at lunch and she hired me never asking me for a reference. I never used any of my betas as a reference. But for me, and you know, I might argue this differently for somebody else, but for me, you know, it, yes, it was overkill, but it was what I needed to get the confidence that this really worked, that this idea that I had applied to my experience, you know, could work. So I spent three months on a, on a beta that maybe you could argue, you know, I wasted. Um, but it, for me, it gave me the confidence. Right. I, I think that's, it's almost to the letter, exactly what I have people do. Me, probably not that long, but I usually say if, you know, find three people to beta test this, whatever it is, a productized service, and they're usually fairly small scope services. And you could perhaps offer it. For, yeah, usually I, I like to do it with a small enough service that they can offer it for free in exchange for feedback on the marketing materials and pricing guidance and that sort of thing. Uh, if it's if they can't come up with something that small, if it just doesn't make sense for their business and it's a little bit more involved uh, and they, they can't afford to do it for free, then I, you know, I say offer it at an incredibly low introductory price to these people who you already have some kind of connection with. So they trust you already and kick the tires, you know, file off the rough edges. You're going to find uh, lots of ways to optimize it. They're going to be really honest with you throughout the process. And exactly like you said, at the end, if you are happy, you know, assuming you're happy with it, I would love it if you could, you know, give me a testimonial or something like that. And going through that process, it, it absolutely gives you confidence. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I know I, I've delivered this three times. I know I can do it. And not only did I deliver it, but I made it better each time. And the, the other thing that is perhaps subconscious, or maybe, maybe if you think back to the situation at the conference with the, the first uh, real sale, if you want to call it that, it gives you all the language that you need to respond to any kind of question they're going to ask. So it's even even beyond the confidence itself, you've got the language to discuss the kinds of outcomes that it delivers, what's involved. You can kind of paint a picture of what it would be like to work together from experience, not just this, well, I think it's going to be like this and I'm planning to do blah, 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 blah. And like they immediately glaze over. So I'm a huge fan of this on a product basis, for sure. Well, it gives you, um, to your point about language, it gives you it gives you stories. And if you're brand new at doing this, it also, it starts to give you a brand voice, 
right? Which is that voice you use on your website and your marketing materials that incorporates your big idea and the way you work and the clients you want to attract. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like starting a conversation and, and it's, it's much more powerful. And, and, oh, by the way, if you can't get anybody to beta test it, you've got to go back to the drawing board, figure out a different way to fund your mission through sales. So in in that process, that could take as little as three or four weeks and compare that to, you know, somebody who puts together, I've seen this happen, put together like a video course, 80, 80 videos before even talking to anybody and just like, okay, launch crickets. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. It's brutal. I've, you know, you and I both know people who've written books who they don't even know like who they're for, mm-hmm. you know, so, so not bouncing the idea of a thing you're going to try to sell. So here's the thing, like uh, that might be the difference for me. I never thought about it until we were talking about it, but that might be the, dis- the distinction. Like if you're going to ask for money, I don't mean sell the idea, like persuade people to believe what you believe, but to, to actually say, you know, would you pay me for, you know, to, uh, here, would you like to buy this? And they say, yes, that is it's a huge let's put it like this it's a huge time saver to validate these sorts of ideas because if if you can't even do this piece and i see plenty of people that can't get through this phase well like devoting a year of your life to perfecting these series of videos or this course that you're putting together isn't going to help because no one cares like the, it might be that the way it's your, the way you're talking about it your idea is not coming across it's not you focused enough. It's too me focused. It could be a million things that are easy to tweak and fix after the fact, but that's a huge risk to take. And how sad is that? All that work and then you just sit there. I mean, I would think that person is going to have a hard time getting up the energy to try something new after that. Right. Yeah. This I'm yeah. a failure. This doesn't work. Um, yep. You know, uh, so on and so forth. You know, like whatever, wherever they're getting their advice from, because it's not me. But you know, this this person who advised that I put together this course and it just doesn't work. Um, there's there's an alternate. It just occurred to me. There's an alternative approach that is uh, to the beta testing approach that is sort of promoted by someone named Amy Hoy. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's got a she's got a sort of safari framework for thinking about this. So the sort of anthropological approach uh, where or zoological, I guess, where she says, you know, first of all, pick, you know, like pick your target audience. Like these are the people you want to change, find them online. If you can't find them online, pick someone else who you can find online and lurk in their watering holes, Mm. like sneak around the edges and listen to their pains, listen to the complaints, listen to the, you know, all of the problems that they have and come up with a product that will fix those problems for these people who you care about. Mm Mm-hmm. It could be a PDF, it could be uh, a, a SaaS, it could be a, any kind of info product, course, whatever. But her kind of approach, and I hope I'm not misstating it, but it's basically like, you know, find something that is going to save them an hour and create a $10 product and and base it on this sort of sales safari that she calls, she calls a sales safari and take these problems that they have, articulate that, you know, you know kind of just mirror it back to the audience mm-hmm. on this page and see if it sells and then okay it, it, keep doing it 
And as you, once you have that kind of, I, I feel like the hard part is getting started and like getting that first one, because then you've got customers mm -hmm. or clients mm -hmm. and you're going to have lots of conversations with them. And if you already have this mentality of having your radar, your ears open, having your radar always on for new problems or new opportunities that they're looking to capture, if you're looking for that stuff all the time, then you're just going to have, you're going to have plenty of ideas and it'll be easy to validate after the fact. Uh, not after the fact, but easy to validate the next one because you're used to doing it. Yeah. Well, I think there's another category there. And those are the people who have a successful sort of offline business and they're trying to kind of crack the online code. And so especially mm -hmm. soloists, because, you know, they, they're past the startup point, you know, they're earning, let's say, six figures, low six figures. And they're just wanting to change something or they want to help more people. Um, they want a different business model where they don't have to maybe get on an airplane or where they don't have to do as much one-to-one -one consulting. And it's fascinating to me because I think those people sometimes, that category has the toughest time with this. Wow. I never. What's an offline business? Uh, <laughs> well, it, it's not the... Yeah, it, well, it's not that they don't that they don't have a website or they they don't use things, but a lot of financial advisors would be that would be a classic example. And and right now, there's still a lot of people that buy financial advice the old fashioned way. They want to see you. They want to you know they want to make sure you're not Bernie Madoff. Um, you know they want to touch you. They want to. They may even want to come to your office. So it's a it's a different model. But then if you start to look at all right, so how do I use all the things that are online in a way that helps this business and also can help to recession proof the business, or I don't want to call it change proof because I don't know that anything's change proof. But if you look at the rise of, you know, robo advising and things, how do you make your business model stronger? But, but there's also, you know, consulting, like there's a lot of strategy consultants, um, out there, soloists who are specialties in an area of strategy or in an industry. Um, I'm thinking of one guy I know who's um, really more of a freelancer. I mean, he's amazing at what he does. He's actually so well known within a small circle. I mean, he doesn't really sell. He, he kind of says, yeah, I'm available. And somebody says, okay, come see me. Um, so yeah, there's, th there's those guys and then, uh, and gals. And yeah, so how do they um, make that change. And it's, it's, I find a lot of folks like that are, they've been successful. So all of a sudden you're taking something that's successful in one way and you're trying to carry that into a new marketplace. So who do you ask, right? Who do you validate with? Um, I, I just, I find that group a little different. Right. That's tricky because it's, it's almost all, well, it's a, it is a, it's a marketing thing. So you're like, because it's super tactical. It's like, well, here are all these tools, but how do I use them? There's a laying there. Like, what do I build with these that is going to further my mission? And right. And it's like, uh, that is tricky because you almost need, I don't know if, is that, would you call that validation? Yeah. Or, I guess there is because there's the market side. There's the market side. Like, does anybody want to receive this kind of information online? Exactly. Or this kind of assistance online? Or is it the kind of thing that needs to be in meat space or is it a question then there's also the question of like well how do i actually execute it which is a huge can of worms like that that's my world like how do i execute this online course how do mm -hmm. i create how do we build this SaaS to deliver this kind of value to people and that's that's almost like that's kind of the 
easy part. It's also the expensive part. So you probably better, I guess, to back to the theme, you better validate it before you build like a $100,000 or a million dollar SaaS or an iPhone app that you think is going to help coach people with their financial uh, education or, or whatever, their, their financial behavior. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody I, I've worked with recently and um, she was, uh, not, it was, is um, a very successful consultant in her niche. And it's, it's um, uh, something where they know her from her speaking. Um, she gets a lot of referrals and the, the business is great, but she works really hard and you know, one good recession would really make an impact on her business. So, so she says to herself, "Gee, I think maybe I should do something online. Maybe I should develop a course. What should that look like?" And you know, my first comment back to her was, "You need to get some real input from your client base and the people who you know who isn't buying you because they can't afford your model." And we actually sat down and did some research on how big the U.S. market was for those folks, and we kept narrowing it and narrowing it, and we got it down to the point where she said, "Oh my God, if every one of the people who could buy it did, I still couldn't make enough money." to make this work. So so that's good feedback. So back to the drawing board, look at another option. But it's um, she literally was considering spending a year developing this course and and you know could have gotten a, a year later looking back with with crickets as you say. Yeah, so this now this is coming into clarity for me. Like I I know this sort of subconsciously but we haven't said it yet, I don't think, which is the, I think the validation piece is important when you're thinking about a very risk sort of uh, time resource intensive undertaking in a vacuum. So if you're thinking about doing something that's going to be really resource intensive, and I keep coming back to that you're going to sell because I, I still think, you know, like having a mission is being like, you know, my mission from now on is to rid the world of hourly billing. I don't care if I can do it. I don't care if it's possible. I don't care if anyone else cares. I'm doing it. You know, it's kind of like the Elon Elon Musk quote or somebody was interviewing me and said, how do you how do you maintain your optimism? And he's like, do I seem optimistic to you? I'm just doing it. I'm just going to do it. Right. <laughs> so he made a distinction between optimism. He's like optimism, pessimism. I'm just doing I'm going to do it like period. And I kind of feel that way about this particular thing. I don't feel that way about everything. But this thing, I was just like, too bad. This is what I'm doing and I'll figure it out. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be dopey about, you know, spending two years or, you know, a year or two years creating some sort of like masterpiece book and then hoping people like, you know, that's to me, that's two different things. Because if the here's the the mission, I don't want to waste two years doing something that is not going to further the mission. So I want to check first if this is going to affect another person or not. And if, if I have some sort of feeling that it is going to affect another person, then I'll proceed. But it's this kind of, the calculus is like, okay, how much work is it going to take? How much time and money is it going to take me to execute this thing? And and okay, so now I've got X, you know, I don't know, six months and $10,000. Is it worth spending a weekend or a week and 500 bucks to find out if that's going to move the needle for me? on my mission or not yet probably is. Mm -hmm. But if I can release something, you know, maybe I've got a bunch of, I actually do have this. I have a bunch of hour long to, you know, 60 to 90 minute Q and a videos that I've done. I probably have a dozen of them over a weekend. I could go through those, cut them into individual pieces and put them on YouTube. 
am I going to validate? No, I'm not going to validate that. It would take me longer to validate it than it would be just do it. Mm -hmm. So I would, in that case, I would just go do it. And again, that's not something, yeah, let's say I was going to sell it though. Uh, Still, I would, I would just do it because it's easier to just do it and find out uh, whether or not it worked. So I don't think there's, I think that's the, for me, that's the tipping point. Like, would it be cheaper and easier to validate this than it would to actually build it? And if so, probably going to do that. But if it would be easier to just, just ship it, I'll probably just do that sort of self-validate. And if it doesn't work, no big deal. I lost a weekend. Yeah. You know, just before you started to speak, the I made a little note here, uh, book. And you mentioned book as you, as you were talking, because that would be an interesting thing to think about. Do you do research on a book? And so you validated, right? Did I hear that correctly? You validated the hourly billing is nuts concept. Uh, okay. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, but not, not, I think not in the direction we've been talking about though. Because you didn't need to, because you've said, this is my mission. I'm doing it. Uh, Not exactly. It's because I had, I had coaching, the coaching validated it. So having worked with lots of people to help them get through this, I was just repackaging something I already knew worked in a okay. format. So there's okay. no need to validate it. I knew it would be okay. So, so independently validated, I mean. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That it, 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 that totally makes sense. And the, and the reason I, I brought this up is a book is one of those things where um, people can go down a rabbit hole, um, you know, a year, two years um, working on something that isn't related to their brand that doesn't tie back. But the flip side is um, many would argue, and I do too, that writing a book is a creative process. So you don't want too much input on that creative process, right? Um, Otherwise, nothing might ever get published. But so the question becomes, do you validate a book and how? And I don't know, maybe we don't have enough time to really dig into that today, uh, if we do, absolutely let's. And if not, maybe we'll table that for another another episode. Yeah, let's let's do that. You want to do that next week? We can talk about books. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a different animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've got all, you know me, all sorts of opinions. <laughs> no. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a personality defect. Yeah, no, I've done like six or seven books, depending on how you count them. So a variety of different types. So I've got all sorts of... I think, well, anyway, we can talk about it next week. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. So what, what, have we, what have we learned? I feel like these are my therapy sessions now. So, <laughs> Well, I think we both agree. It'll be interesting to see what listeners think that uh, you probably don't need to do much validating on your big idea. Yep. Right. And you do need to do some validating on uh, anything that you're going to put out there and ask for money. Yeah, especially if it takes a long time, a lot, a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like your idea of you know what's the what's the time and cost to validate versus to just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, great. Well, hopefully that was helpful to the dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. All right, that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I'm Rochelle Moulton, and we hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. <laughs>